Well, it's so good to be with you again. The time is going by. We're uh, kind of feeling like fall now. Football's starting up. The weather's cooling off. All of those kind of things are happening, and um, things will be changing greatly as the weeks go by. And one of those things that's going to change is on Sunday, October the 13th, at 9 o'clock in the morning, Sunday school is reopening. So pray for us as we do that. And uh, be ready for that. Pray for your teacher. And uh, pray for Mark Whittington as he directs our Sunday school and all of that. We would like to see that really start off with a bang. And we really want you to be praying about that. And it's an exciting time and we're excited to be able to do that again. And uh, as we continue on now with our Sunday school lessons, we are going to be... Uh, continuing today looking at the book of Haggai in chapter 2 and um, we are going to use the same title that we did last week why isn't God blessing his people this would be part two uh, I think all of us crave the blessing of God don't we as children of God we do I know the lost world could care less but uh, they might want some of the benefits. But you and I really want to be blessed by God. And by blessed, uh, the, the, the word means, and in the Hebrew, it really does mean uh, happiness. And the Hebrew mind would say that happiness is only found in life when God is blessing, when God is pleased with your life. Doesn't mean that there won't be hardships or trials or anything. But it does mean that the outcome of all of that is going to be uh, what they would call real happiness. In fact, um, you read in the Bible things like uh, Abraham died old and full of years. That term full of years doesn't just mean he had a lot of years. It means that he had a full life. It meant that when Abraham got to the end of his life, he, he could actually say, I'm dying as a happy, fulfilled man. He would consider his life to be blessed even with the ups and downs and the good and the bad and the hardships that he faced. He always had a sense of well-being and a sense of joy and happiness because the Lord had blessed his life. The blessing of Abraham, we call it. Uh, in the New Testament, the word kind of has the same idea to be blessed uh, can be translated as makarios is the word um, happy or fortunate uh, even uh, one of the nuances of the word is to be envied now we don't want to set our life up to make other people jealous of us but we do want to have the blessing and the peace and the power of God upon our lives so that when other people look at us they see a difference, and that difference gets their attention. How, how's your marriage working? Well, it ought to be in such a way that it makes people in the world look and say, how do you do it? Not something that they would go, I don't want to be like that. It ought to be that in our home and in our family, we would desire that the Lord would bring harmony and peace. I mean, there's going to be rough patches if you've ever raised teenagers, uh, rough patches that come along. But to have God so honored and bless the family that lost people look and they say, how do you keep a family together? How do you have harmony in your home in times like this? It ought to be financially the same way. Um, I don't know of any of us that I would particularly call rich, but think about this. 
when you have contentment, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. And the Bible says that we are to be content with what we have because we have the Lord. It's in the book of Hebrews, right? I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's tied with the idea of contentment. It's the idea of being a good steward so that whatever we have, whether it's little or whether it's great, and by the way, in America, we're all part of the richest 1% of the world, um, we use it in such a way that uh, it is a blessing and not a curse, that we're generous with it and not selfish, and that we're also, and this is where a lot of believers, I think, fall down, uh, maybe I'm telling on myself, to be wise with our money. Uh, these are uh, turbulent times that we live in, and it pays to be wise. And you know some of the things about stewardship and what Proverbs says about managing your money and all of that. We need to be wise with that. And what I mean is to do it in such a way that someone says to you, how do you handle your money? How is it that you're making it? I make more than you do, and you seem to be doing better than I am. The blessing of God on those type of things. Now, do we do that just so that we can strut and walk around and be proud and arrogant, lording it over everybody else and condemning other people or anything? Not, not at all. It should be that the blessing of God causes other people to take notice, to ask questions, and then we are able to point them to the Lord through the Scripture. And it's kind of a summation of when P uh, the Apostle Peter said in his epistle that we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And I think one of the downfalls that I see in modern church, including ours, is I don't find all that many people asking. In fact, today it seems to be so in fashion to be broken and to be a messed up person and I've just got a messy life or anything. Well, no wonder nobody's really asking anything about what we're doing or how we're doing it. We're, we're not even really any different than they are. Okay, now let me back up. I do understand there is a point of humility that God blesses. And there's a point sometimes of being able to identify with other people to say, I understand what it's like to hurt or to be broken. But there also needs to be this blessed part of our lives that says, but the grace and the power of God, it brings beauty out of ashes. It's the grace and the blessing of God. He restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Do you have anything like that in your testimony? It needs to be more than just defeat. It needs to be more than just, you know, complaints and all of that. The wilderness wanderings of the people of Israel, for example. It needs to be more than that. There comes a point where we need to be living a promised land life. The abundant life, we would call it. Now this remnant has been broken and they've been crushed. They've been invaded, the temple has been torn down, it's been plundered, and uh, they've been in exile, forced exile for 70 years. Now they're back. And they're still living the life of bondage, the life of complaining, the life of being, let's just call it unblessed. And I think that it's been happening for so long they don't even see it. You know what would be one of the greatest things that could happen to us today? Is if God would give us a glimpse, not just of where we are, but where we could be 
if we had his blessing upon our lives. Not just barely making it. Not just hanging on and just trying to get through. That's what the world does. But for us to know we have purpose. And we have the power and the presence of God in our lives. And more than that, he is the blessing on our lives. Not that the blessing of God causes us to avoid valleys. You're going to have some of those. But I think you will have fewer. And when you go through them, the bottom line is you will go through them, not get stuck in them. And God doesn't want you and me to be stuck in the rut. These people were stuck in a rut. Have you heard the old expression that a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out? And these people were kind of in a grave. We're back in the land and we're back functioning and we're doing this. But oh man, is it ever hard. And so we talked about why is it God blessing his people? Last week, God had confronted them with the idea that Things, even good things, can be contaminated if our priorities are not in order. And the fact that they had gone 16 years without building the temple, and yet they're trying to live their life, they're trying to offer their offerings and sing their songs, and they're trying to be moral and all of these kind of things, and yet they're not doing what they were told to do, and that is rebuild the temple. And that's basically saying God will fit you in wherever we can. Don't you see a lot of people doing that now? And they try to take God and say, uh, God, we'll get to you a little bit later. Um, leave a voicemail. We'll return the call later on. Or, yeah, I meant to answer that email or, um, you know, whatever. You see what I'm getting at? And we put God on hold. And God's just not going to put up with that. And so he puts some things in life to say, you better answer the call and you better live up to what I said or things are not going to go well. Let's uh, read this out of Hebrew, uh, Hebrews, Haggai chapter 2. And um, let's look at the words that he has to say in verse 15. Okay? After he says the things about contamination and all of that, he says, verse 15, And now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of 20 ephahs, that's just a, a measurement. We don't exactly know how much it is and it doesn't matter anyway. But when you came to a heap of 20, there were but 10. Well, that's a 50% decrease of what you expected, right? Next phrase. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 baths, that's again just a term of measurement from the press, there were but 20. That's even worse, isn't it? Verse 17, I struck you. Now let that sink in. This wasn't the devil. This wasn't just nature. God says, and he admits it, and he makes it very clear, I struck you you with blight and mildew and hail in all the labors of your hands. I did this. And God does it out of love. He always disciplines out of love. He does it to get their attention. But notice what happens here after the semicolon. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. So all of this stuff is going on. 
And it's like the Lord is saying, and my people are so dense, they can't even figure out, maybe we ought to take a look at this. Now, I'm going to make this statement before we read on. Not every problem in life is because of sin. Okay? Is that clear? Not every problem in life is because of sin. But I'm also going to say this. But it's a good place to start whenever you do have problems. I don't think there's anything wrong with when something goes haywire, when something messes up, when it's not coming out, maybe the first place you ought to start is to say, Father, is there something that I've done that has displeased you? Is there a priority that I've neglected? Have I become too casual? Have I sinned against you? And sin can be things that we think. It can be things that we do. But in the case of these people, it was something that they didn't do. God had commanded them, build the temple. Get that straight first. My worship first. The priority of honoring me first. And they didn't do it. So sin was something that they actually didn't do. That's a good place to start. Now it may be the Lord just says, nope, this is just an attack of the enemy. Or nope, this is just normal consequences of life. Or no, I'm just leading you through something so that you can be a witness for me or an example to somebody else. There could be all kinds of things. But it's a good place to start, isn't it? Check it out. Now in this case, it was because of sin, yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. So verse 18 is kind of our, our theme verse for uh, this passage. Consider now from this day forward, and then he names the day. He gives them a date. From the 24th day of the ninth month, I think that's Chislev or something like that, which um, actually uh, in this second year of the reign of Darius and all of that that he identified a little bit earlier, uh, we know exactly when this is. This is December 18th. 520 BC. I mean, God precisely nails it down from this particular day. Circle it on the calendar. Put it down. From the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Verse 19. Is the seed still in the barn? You know what that means? A lot of good it's doing you in there. Seed in the barn will never make a crop. And you've got some seed in the barn. You've got some things that God has told you to do and given you the opportunity to do. You just hadn't done it yet. And you wonder why there's no crop? Because you didn't plant. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly, the Bible says. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully, right? I mean, that, that, that's in there. That's New Testament stuff. So if your seed is still in the barn, yeah, one of these days... Yeah, you know, we really ought to. And some of these days, you probably got a visit you should have made that you've been talking about making for maybe months. You probably got some notes you should have written that you've been talking about for a long time. That seed in the barn. Maybe there's some money that you intended to give, but you just hadn't gotten around to it. That seed that is in the barn. Maybe there's a, an evangelistic opportunity that you've had with somebody and uh, they even ask you could we talk about spiritual things sometime yeah we're going to do that but you still got seed in the barn see that's what the lord is asking is the seed still in the barn as yet the vine the fig tree the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yielded fruit Okay? There's what's been happening because of God's intervention. He has suppressed it. 
And yet notice this last thing. But from this day, I will bless you. Wouldn't that be great? To know that whatever it is that you are doing, thinking about, whatever it is that you are dreaming about, whatever it is that you want to do, that the Lord says, my blessing will be upon it. It'll be like you have a, not a headwind, but a wind at your back. It's like things will be working for you instead of working against you because the enemy will still attack and we still live in a fallen world. But that wasn't their problem here. It's a problem, but it wasn't their problem. This was actually the Lord. The Lord was not blessing in all of that. So, number one, consider carefully and not casually. You know why the Lord wasn't blessing? Because probably any one of these people could tell you that, well, you know, I know not everything in my life is right. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Everybody's pencil needs an eraser. We're all sinners. And they just went like that. And they never strove to crucify themselves. They never really took seriously the idea that they ought to take God seriously. They were fitting God into the nooks and crannies of their life, but he wasn't a priority in their life. He really wasn't master. He really wasn't one that they were following him. You know, you can read the book of Malachi and kind of get the idea. Uh, you know, a son honors his father. Where's my honor then if I'm your father? We don't really treat God the way he deserves to be treated. And we've gotten so comfortable with it and so used to it that when we talk about it, yeah, we sort of kind of in a little way see where we are and what we do. But ha, 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 no big deal. Isn't it great that God forgives and all of that? And we don't understand how life could be if we were sold out to him. How many sold out believers do you know? Did you mention your own name? Because it really doesn't matter about anybody else if you're not sold out to the Lord. And God is calling you to be sold out to him regardless of what anyone else was doing or not doing. Carefully consider from this day forward. They'd been living by assumption. And their assumption was basically, well, we're not doing anything wrong. Do you know how many times I've heard people say that? I don't know why this is happening. I'm not doing anything wrong. Quit focusing on not doing something, right or wrong, and start focusing on what in the world are you doing, for heaven's sake? What are you doing? Draw nigh unto God, the Bible says in the book of James, and he'll draw nigh unto you. And the problem is we're waiting on God, but we're not taking any steps. We're not looking to him. We're not really thinking about anything like that. We're just saying, just make sure you don't commit adultery. Don't make sure you're not drunk laying in the gutter. Make sure you don't cuss. Make sure, and all of that. And we're not doing anything for the glory of God. Do all that you do for the glory of God. So are you doing what you should? Number two, consider your circumstances. It's always good to take a look. Now again, not every bad turn of circumstance is because of sin but it could be and in this case it certainly was it's certainly something to consider and he talks about that uh, if you'll go back and look before you started the reconstruction of the temple during that time when you just left the foundation to lay there for 16 years as a testimony of your sorry lack of commitment, lack of appreciation, and lack of gratefulness to God. Isn't that what he's saying? 
Look what was happening during all of that time. And he starts talking about that uh, things weren't going right. And those things were not just coincidence. They were coming from the hand of God. God said, I struck you. And so these are things that affected every part of their life. Not just one or two areas. Every area of their life was affected. And these were the things that could not be ignored. God has a way of getting your attention. Well, you know, I think the Lord's trying to tell me. No, 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 no. The Lord tells you. And he makes it really, really clear. This was on the part of the people. You know, when you look at all of these things that God described, and people would say, well, that's just life. That's because they weren't watching. They weren't paying attention. God was telling them something, and he was telling them very, very clearly. And he was telling them, these are things that I take responsibility for. I did this. And, of course, Hebrews 12 tells us that God always disciplines us, and he does it out of love, doesn't he? It's not the devil. It's not anything else. It's not random chance. It's not enemy armies. It's a loving father's discipline. I mean, folks, 50 to 60% of the expected harvest did not come in the fall. That's significant. That's not just we're a little off or things are a little tight. That happens. This should have gotten their attention. Now, thirdly, Consider your response. What are you doing? When things go wrong, what do you do? You know, it's interesting. We're in uh, Exodus on uh, Sunday mornings. And the people of Israel, they're so happy that they're free from Egypt until they see Pharaoh coming after them. And then it says, it's interesting, they cried out to the Lord and then they started yelling at Moses. We told you so. We knew this was going to happen. They even get a little sarcastic and cutting. Well, were there not enough graves in Egypt for you? That kind of thing. That's kind of the way God's people are so many times. We don't respond properly. Everything has a purpose. The steps of the righteous are ordered of God. And God is using all of this to build us up, to teach us, to train us, to discipline us, Maybe even correct us. We don't like that nowadays, do we? You might be wrong. You might be on the wrong track. And your Heavenly Father loves you so much, He's going to get you back on the right track. Well, these people kind of ignored that, didn't they? Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. So where should they have turned? With that amount of loss, they should have been desperate and they should have turned to God. But they just learned to kind of live with it. They just learned to kind of make it through and complain and muddle through somehow, right? And where did they turn? Well, if they weren't turning to God, they must have been turning somewhere. And I suggest that they were turning to self. We've just got to do more, work harder. We've got to figure this thing out. Maybe they were turning to the government. You know, the Persian government sent us back here. Maybe they're sending relief and supplies and all of that. Maybe the government will bail us out of all of this. Maybe they were putting pressure on neighbors. Hey, you got a little bit more than I did. Share with me. Help me out. Let, let's figure this whole thing out. Um, who knows? Maybe they were going to family and saying, you know, bail us out, Dad. Bail us out, Mom. Whatever. They couldn't make it on their own. And not being able to be self-sufficient should have caused them to turn to the Lord. This, after all, 
folks, is the land flowing with milk and honey. But it sure doesn't look like it. This is a place where God said through Moses in Deuteronomy, I'm going to make you a lender, not a borrower. Sure doesn't look like it now. In fact, he said it's very picturesque. He said, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. I think I'd rather be the head, wouldn't you? And yet this doesn't seem like any of this is happening. And what's going on with the people? They're not paying attention. I want to ask you, are you paying attention? God may be telling you some things and you could get uh, to a place of change and get into a better place if you would just consider your ways and listen to the Lord. Number four, and consider God's promises. I love it where God ends up in verse 18. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. His seed still in the barn, yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not yielded their fruit. But, isn't that great? From this day, I will bless you. You know, there are those times where you have those kind of, uh, maybe we would call them cataclysmic encounters with God where everything changes and you can pinpoint the date. You know what I've noticed um, in years of dealing with people that have problems, maybe addictions, uh, alcohol, drugs, tobacco, those kind of things. You know what I've noticed about them? That the people that are successful in overcoming that uh, to a person, you talk to them and say, what happened? And they'll be able to name almost the date. Not always the exact date, but a lot of times they can. But they will pinpoint an event. I was driving down the road, this and this happened, and this was happening in my family and on my job, and I made up my mind while I was driving down the road, and uh, they can tell you where it was. At that point, never again, no more. They had what is called a pivot point. When someone loses weight, and they're successful at keeping it off and being healthy, you know what they can almost always tell you? They had that I had it moment. I've had it. I'm not going to do this anymore. And they can pinpoint that kind of thing. You know, so many times God does something and it's not just this vague awareness. Well, I ought to witness more. There's a time and a place where it hit you. Maybe there's a sin that's in your life and you well, I kind of really ought to be thinking about getting rid of this. I know it's not real good and I know I ought not do this. My father-in-law always said that Baptists are the only people that confess their sins before they commit them. I know I ought not do this, but, well, then don't do it. What are you doing? But when there's that moment when God deals with you, when you get it and you've made up your mind, I have had it, I'm not living like this anymore. And you pursue God and you prioritize Him, seeking first the kingdom of God. Church attendance is no longer casual. Your giving is no longer if I can afford it. Your witnessing is no longer of, well, I'm praying about all of that. Doesn't happen anymore. It is something that is a part of life and something that you are focused upon like a laser beam. And this is what God is calling them to do. He's saying it's not a matter of working harder. It's a matter of my blessing. God is telling the people here, you can keep on doing exactly what you're doing right now 
and yet have tremendous results if, and here's the big if, if you'll prioritize your relationship with me, get the temple built, honor me, seek first the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, glorify God in everything you do, whether you eat or drink, Paul said, in everything. When you do that and have the blessing of God, then he said, from this day, from this day, I will bless you. And folks, I think it's important as we conclude to understand God is not reluctant to bless you. It's not as though God is saying up in heaven, I've got all of these blessings and I sure don't want to give it to them. I hope they don't figure out the secret. Can you imagine God going, oh, they read Haggai. Now they've got it. Now I've got to bless them. Okay, well, here's a little bit for you. That's not the way God is. We're not overcoming God's reluctance. We are laying hold of his willingness, his willingness to bless us. And the blessings will be, according to what we find here, uh, material blessings. They'll have enough. I believe God wants us to have enough to meet our needs and also to share with other people, to be generous. But I also think, too, that blessings come in a lot of other ways. Abraham died old and full of years. That's not a dollar amount. I believe that God wants your life to be significant because it glorifies him to where you can finish your life and be like the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I've run, I've fought, and I finished. That's a satisfaction. That's a good place to be. And so think about it. Suffering is not automatically a result of sin, like in Job chapter 1 verse 1, it calls him actually an upright and a perfect man. So don't go there. And uh, think about Jesus. He said in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Good things don't always happen to people that love God. Sometimes bad things come in. But even as the bad comes in, it's with the blessing of God to endure, to persevere, and to actually overcome on those things. But don't assume that there is no sin. Do what it says here and carefully consider your ways. Think of Psalm 139 and we'll be finished. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Because remember... These verses tell us God wants to bless us even more than we want to be blessed. And what a wonderful thing it is to live life under the blessing of God. God bless you. And I pray that this has fed your soul. And we'll look forward in October, in the middle of October, to being back together again with our classes. But in the meantime, let's take this as a word from God because it is. And do what the Word tells us to do. Consider your ways carefully.